We spend a lot of time Sunday talking about decontaminating that well. Say it with me. I'm the well and the power of God. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is on the inside of you. Well, the Spirit of God is telling us, though, that without uh, holiness and purity of heart and of life, that well is contaminated. It's like you can have a natural well that's contaminated with, you know, heavy metals or radioactive materials or even bacteria. Uh, somebody has to oversee the quality of that well. Congratulations, you've been hired. Amen? That is your job. If you've ever had a pool or a hot tub, you know that you have to, you know, throw some chemicals in there to maintain, you know, the stability of that water and also the cleanliness of that water. Years ago, when we first got a, a small hot tub, uh, we used this particular product, and we noticed that it was, it was prone to allowing scale to grow into the walls. And how I many you know if you ignore that, <laughs> it's, it's not going to get better. And so, uh, you know, it's kind of, well, I'll get to that, you know, eventually it would grow and grow. And I'll tell you, by the time I got to it, it was like concrete. Well, the first thing I did was change the chemicals. Amen. The second thing I did was put some elbow, you know, action in some, some cleansers and finally get that stuff off. But change the kind of chemical that actually was in the water. It's my job to do that. You know, we still got that little hot tub. Still works out of the glory to God. And uh, the important thing is you and I are in charge of what's going on where. And it's a lot easier if you'll deal with the scale day by day. Then every month or two months or six months or a year, can I have an amen tonight? Yes, amen. So we're going to go back to some of these foundational scriptures, just review quickly. I'm going to talk to you tonight about uh, activating these forces that will keep your heart pure that will keep you uh, in a place of victory in your personal life. Remember what uh, Smith Wigglesworth preached? He was asked, what's the secret of his power? And he said, well, first of all, I pray in the Holy Ghost all the time. Say it all the time. Say it with me. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation to them that believe. We're not ashamed to be tongue talkers. Amen. And if you are, it'll suppress that. You won't use that. You will not be able to flow in the supernatural like God would have you flow. There is no way to flow in the supernatural unless you're proficient in the prayer language that God gave you. Uh, you'll find out that shame does not work the supernatural power of God. It just won't work. And that's one of the reasons why the devil has worked against people's minds and hearts in our particular vein of spirituality to kind of silence you and, and shut you up. But you all need to be like Bartimaeus. Cry out all the more in the Spirit. The second thing he talked about was he's in the Word all the time, nonstop in the Word of God. Whenever you see Smith Wigglesworth, you would see him holding the Bible up, reading the Bible. He wasn't into everybody's theology and newspapers. He was constantly in the Word. So what was being produced in his life as a result? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by what? The Word. So he's, he's praying in the Holy Ghost, which means the pump is primed all the time. He's only subjecting himself to the Word of God, which means faith is coming. And the third thing he said was, I live a holy life. Seems so simple, but how many understand? It's one thing to say. It's another thing to do. And it's also one thing to say maybe to somebody else, but how many understand the Holy Ghost really knows you? Turn to somebody and say, he knows. We don't know. But I really believe that, uh, that he was on to something. And not that uh, that's the only example that we can look to, but, but if you'll go across the board and you'll talk about people that God has used greatly in the miraculous and the supernatural, you'll find out they have those, those things in common. They're not ashamed of the Holy Ghost. Say, I'm not ashamed. Uh, they're in the Word all the time. And they just live differently than everybody. There's no way for this precious power, this flow, this anointing inside that well so to actually flow in us and through us like it's supposed to if we're not living the way we're supposed to. Um, so there's a reason. Listen carefully. There's a reason that historically the classical Pentecostal, the, the, the spirit-filled believer, why that, uh, that kind of person, that kind of believer, that kind of spirituality is always connected to holiness. You see what I'm saying to you? It's not because we think that that's how you get saved. Aren't you glad it's by grace and it's not by what we do or don't do? But having accepted him, right, that grace is now teaching us according to what Paul said, Titus, to say no to ungodliness. And it's also empowering us to live this life. So you don't get saved by what you do. 
Amen? And you don't go to hell because of what you did. You go to hell because you reject the only covering for sin that's there. You go to hell because the only one that can save you, you rejected. But how many glad you didn't reject him? That said, so it's, it's not, holiness is not part of the classical Pentecostals theology of salvation. Say that with me. Holiness, holiness. is not part of our salvation theology. Well, I just thought you had to do this, 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 and God would accept you. You missed the whole point. Listen carefully. It is not part of our soteriology. It is not part of our salvation. It is not part of what saves us. How did you get saved? It is part of our pneumatology. What is that? Our doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Our reference point for the supernatural. You don't get saved because you came to God all holy. Are you still here tonight? Let me try this again. You didn't get saved because you woke up one day in all of your holiness and presented yourself to God. How many know that's not true? How many would say that when you did present yourself to him and gave him your life, you just found out how unholy you actually were? That's when the work began. That's when the sanctification began. That's a process. It started when you first gave your, your life to him. It's important to understand this because we're not holiness because we think, we think it makes us better than people or other people or because it saves us. But there is a function to holiness. And Paul pointed it out to Timothy when he said, you know, in a great house there are all kinds of articles, all kinds of vessels. There are gold and silver. There are clay pots and there are wood pots. But the point is, we always taught that religiously, that, that people basically were just told by God, you're a gold pot, you're a clay pot, you're a silver pot, and that's what you are. That's not what he said at all. He said, if you will cleanse yourselves, you'll be what? A vessel unto honor. In other words, that vessel carrying that life-giving power and anointing depends not on God's decision, but on whose? On yours. So what this tells you is our, our, um, our salvation is not connected to our holiness, but salvation will produce holiness. But, but listen, how we flow in the supernatural, you better believe absolutely 100% is, is basically impacted by how holy you live. Yeah. Amen. And I'm preaching better than y'all are staring at me right now. Say it with me. It's not about getting saved. It's about flowing in the things of God. You're not going to find somebody flow this way very long before the bottom falls out in their life. Does that make sense? The Bible says, he who conceals his sins, what? Does not prosper. He confesses them and renounces them, finds what? Finds mercy. Amen. So this is not about somehow I get saved because I'm perfect or because I'm super holy. No, but I'm telling you that holiness is, is a very important ingredient to you being able to flow in these things, regardless of what's on the inside of it. We believe by revelation that uh, we are, of course, empowered by the Holy Spirit. If we stay connected to God, that, that flow is going to be there. And if we'll be available to God, just God says, hey, I want you to be here at a certain time. I want you to go talk to that person, write that person, email that person, and you do it. You're available. You're, you're ready to be used by God. But all that's going to be compromised if you're not walking the holy life. Let me explain this to you. You cannot keep seeking God every day and hold on to your sin. You see the connection? So you begin to stray from connectivity. You are not going to hear from God if you're walking around in sin. Say it with me. I will not hear clearly with active sin in my life. So you can see how these things go together. But let's just take this to the next level and say, you know what? We're all on the same page tonight. Say it. I'm on the same page. I want God to use me. I want to see the supernatural. How many ready to see Michael get up out of that chair? Years ago, had a cerebro event, and his body did not get the sufficient oxygen, and the consequences are, are before us. But that is a, a small thing to your God. Amen. He is well able. Yes. It's a small thing to give Gary a brand new voice box. Amen. 
It's a small thing for some of you that have hardware in your body to wake up with that hardware sitting on the desk beside you. Won't that freak out a few people? We're talking about irrefutable supernatural evidence of a God who's wanting to do something new and fresh in this country. We already have testimonies around the world where this has actually happened. But imagine this, that somebody puts hardware in your body and one more and you wake up and it's sitting next to you. Well, after you recover, (laughs) wouldn't it be wonderful to hear from the physician who put that in your body (laughs) and show the before and after of an MRI? Amen. All things are possible. The him that believes. Well, God's wanting to use people just like you to affect that kind of miraculous in the land. Uh, when, when you think of things like the miracle capital of the world, when you think about what God is assigning you to do and to be a part of, uh, get ready because it's coming. And God's going to use you. Say, so, hey, God's going to use me. God's going to do these things. He confirms his word with signs following. But he's looking for some folks that'll, that'll pay that price. Say it with me. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Standing in the Word of God. Walking in holiness. That means in our thought life, in the things we say, the things we do, in every aspect, uh, you know, understanding how this works. And so we talked about this the other day, about how there are, um, you know, results of the fall in every dimension uh, of our lives. We know that uh, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. How many glad you're born again now? Uh, it's, it's interesting, and as soon as Adam and Eve fell, the light went out, the glory went out, and immediately they got into fear and they hid themselves. You see it? Uh, you can see where immediately there's a toll taken on them, body, soul, and spirit. Dead spiritually, and yet the body was living on. The soul was still there, the mind, the will, and the emotions. And so what's important for you to understand as a child of God is every dimension of man is fallen. When we talk about the depravity of man or the fall of man and sin, it's it's not just a nice little doctrine that we believe as a church like us. It's understanding if you don't see this from God's perspective, and then you don't you know, see how the word and the blood apply to that to restore that, you really can't appreciate all that he has done for you. Now, raise your hand if you're born again. The most important part now has been taken care of. If nothing ever happened ever again to the rest of you as a human being, to be born again and know that your spirit now is perfected in him and fully glorified, your spirit will always choose the will of God if left to itself. But the problem is you just don't have a spirit. Say it with me. I am a spirit. I live in a body. I have a mind, a will, and emotions. Well, we know that sin caused uh, death, separation from God, literal separation from God. Uh, you don't cease to exist if you're a spirit being. That's why there has to be a hell. That's why there has to be a separating point in place. And immediately sin separated them from God, didn't it? But what did God do? He immediately prepared skins. The shedding of blood brought what? Remission of sins. That's foreshadowing of the temple system, the sacrificial system, and also foreshadowing in Genesis 3.15 what God would do through Jesus Christ for you. And for me. Aren't you glad he shed the blood? But God's ultimate dream is not just to leave you in a skin like Tarzan and Jane. Look at somebody and tell them God has more in mind for you than Tarzan and Jane. What his dream is restoring the clothes you had in the garden before sin. That's the glory. God's manifest presence and power and goodness. Say God's manifest presence and power and goodness. That's what their clothing was. So God took their fig leaves and gave them skins. See that? The redemptive act. Now he wants to take that skin and replace it with what? Glory, that's the glorification process. The problem is we have to start with the reality that every dimension of man has fallen, not just spiritually, spirit, soul, and body. 
The consequence to you physically is that one day you will die unless you're on this planet during the rapture. Now, that'd be perfectly fine with me if we all just skipped that part and went right to the rapture. Amen? Uh, you literally could be here when that happens. Um, glory to God. We, we, we don't have all the answers. All we are told is to be ready, to look for his coming, to expect his coming. Well, let's just say that like every generation, you go by the way of grave, uh, that body one day will be replaced with a glorified body. That's an end time work. You see this? But it just didn't affect, sin just didn't affect your body. Sin affected your mind. Look at somebody and say, brain damage. Every human being suffered brain damage because of the fall. Every human being without Christ is functioning intellectually at a level far below what they could. It is the new birth and, and the spirit filled life and the glorification process that enables us to function at a higher level intellectually than we could without Christ. And one day, you guys, we're all going to be as sharp as a tack. On the other side, we're going to surprise ourselves. Amen. Where, where did all that come from? But we don't have to wait to have that accelerated in our lives. It's going to be completed perfectly on the other end, but right now you should be growing in glorification mentally. But you first have to accept the fact that we're all fallen mentally. Now, play the, the same tune and ascribe it to the same dimensions that we haven't talked about yet, your will and your emotions. There's a reason why, for example, people keep making goofy, stupid decisions in the body of Christ. There's a reason why they go over here, then they go over there, then they're up, and they're down, they're in, they're out, and they get an itch, and they go over here, and they're just completely flaky in their lives. Why? Because that area of their life has fallen, and they're not allowing themselves to deal with the sin that is the sin of the will. So say this with me. There's a sin of the body. There is a sin of the mind, there is sin of the will, and there is sin of the emotions. And if you were to ask me as a pastor, I've been doing this now full time for 31 years as a lead pastor, a senior pastor, 99% of the sin that defeats people, I will tell you, categorically is, is of the emotion. They get mad, they get, they get glad, they, get, they go after happiness, they're sad, they're offended, they're put out. It is something in the emotion that is driving them. And until we deal with the sin and the emotions, we're not capable of handling that kind of power. Just in a devotion I read, uh, Brother Copeland was talking about uh, his son John. He saw a big old spider on the side, I think it was his grandpa's barn, and he had a shotgun in his hand. He was taking him out trying to teach him how to shoot. And the first thing he wanted to do was level that gun up and blow that spider to bits, not thinking. What's that shotgun, you know, 12 feet away going to do to the side of that barn? You just don't hand that kind of power to what? The immature. Do you see this? And it's the same thing when it comes to, to sins of the emotions. There are a lot of people that have been taught and trained, even by good and well-intentioned people, <laughs> that, hey, we should just vent. We should just give full vent to our emotions. Whatever we feel, that's what we feel. Let's vent. And not only let's vent, let's pull other people into it as well. It's not enough for us to sin emotionally. Let's make sure we get a party of people around us so they can all sin emotionally as well. Little is the revelation in the modern body of Christ of the sin of the emotions. And until we get a, a grip on this, look at somebody and tell them, get a grip. This is going to be that, that LCD, that lowest common denominator. This is going to be the thing that limits us. God can't entrust us with the flow of that power if we can't keep you know, our, our emotions under, under check. And it doesn't mean we're not going to experience things. It's just that they don't run us anymore. We can feel like, you know, hauling off and smacking somebody, but guess what? We don't have to. I can acknowledge I feel like it. I can even say to myself, they probably deserve it. I can probably say they have it coming. I could even say to myself, you know, one day they're going to get it. But guess what? They're not getting it for me. What I'm going to do is I'm going to choose the anointing. This is how people rotate through jobs. 
How many of y'all know somebody who can't keep a job because every time they have a job, they get mad and they quit on a supervisor or they slam a door or they do something stupid? Why? Because emotionally they got upset at a job. They rotate through jobs. Are you here tonight? They, uh, you all know people who rotate through relationships. And they're with, you know, person A, B, C, D, and E. Sometimes they actually, you know, marry them. A lot of times they won't even do that. And A, B, C, D, E, they go through them like nothing. And how do you understand if uh, Bob and Sue have a problem and, and Bob and Mary have a problem and, and Bob and Alexandria have a problem, amen? It's probably Bob. Hello? But they just, they rotate through. What's going on? Because of emotional sin. Y'all realize pastor's trying to help you here. Come on, say, the pastor's here to help me. Uh, Not putting anybody down. This isn't about condemnation. There is what? No condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus, but there is correction, and correction is, come on, say, it's good. Come on, say, correction is so good. But we're not here to condemn. If we were here to condemn, we would just condemn it and shut the place down. We're all just failures. Let's just forget about this. No, we stay open and we preach and teach and pray and reach out because we're not under condemnation. But they, they go through relationships because of this thing called emotional sin. You can say what you want to, but more relationships in the body of Christ have been destroyed by emotional sin than physical sin. And catch this. The soul tie, the sin and the emotions, the inappropriate relationship emotionally preceded the sexual act. Always. There are some people who are addicts, but, and then physically it's, it's just a sin thing. But, but 99% of the time there's a conversation at work. It used to be, you, you, you know, you would do this at work because of proximity. But with, how many know, with technology today, there's no distance. There's no telling how far away people can be. And then hook up. So what happened was they, they sinned emotionally. They crossed boundaries emotionally long before they ever hooked up physically. And there are a lot of people that, that don't want to hear it. And, and very rare is the person that's going to come up to the pastor and say, you know what, pastor, you're absolutely right. I was about to make a really stupid decision because of emotional sin. I just want to confess my emotional sin and move on. Oh, no, no. No, they'll make the decision. They rotate through jobs. They rotate through marriages. They rotate through ministries and churches, all thinking that this is perfectly fine and a good decision until one day they wake up and realize that everything I've been doing for years is because of emotional sin. And the wages of sin is what? Death. Now, it's one thing for people to do it. Let me help you out here. Don't you follow them into their emotional sin. Just say, I love you. That's all practice. I love you. I care about you. But I'm not giving up the supernatural to follow after your emotional sin. And let me give you a tip here. If you go around trying to tell people, I know what your problem is, it's emotional sin, you better duck. Because most people are not ready to receive that revelation. It's going to have to come from where? The Spirit of God's going to have to talk to them and say, you know what, uh, how, how long is this going to go on until you get a grip? Now, I hope it, uh, it comes quickly. But my experience is when people rotate through jobs and rotate through marriages and rotate through families and rotate through churches and rotate through ministries because of emotional sin, they're not in a teachable place. And you can find them 5, 10, 15, 20 years later, and guess what they're still doing? They're still being controlled by emotional sin. Now, part of this is uh, we as leaders have not articulated this well enough. And don't get me wrong, we, we try. Have you been in this church to hear a sermon on offense or strife? Raise your hand. That, God has shown me in the past several weeks, that's great. But we're just scratching the surface. What's really behind it is, is much more diabolical and much more sneaky, and yet it's, it's simple. It's sin. Amen. It's, let's stop calling it offense and strife and just call it what it is. 
It's, come on, say it with me. Follow the bouncing ball. Emotional sin. Why? Because the body, like the mind, like the will, the emotions, they're all fallen and in need of redemption. But how many glad there's redemption? (laughs) Aren't you glad? Amen? How many glad your body doesn't have to rule you anymore? Let not sin reign in your mortal body to obey, what? The lust thereof. Amen? Here am I, the scripture says, and I'm here to do your will. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So when God says to Jonah or to you or to me, go to Timbuktu to cross the street or go pray for somebody, go encourage somebody, whatever we're supposed to do, what do we do? What do we do, church? Thy will be done. I'm not going to go around sinning anymore. With my, how do I sin with my will? By putting my will before God's will. For whatever reason. We get that. We get it with the body really easily. If we're thinking unscriptural thoughts, how many you know, most of the time if we've been in the Word, we can tell it. Look at somebody and tell them, knock it off. You can sin with the mind. Raise your hand if you understand you can sin with the mind. You could, you could mentally go through all kinds of scenarios of revenge. You can go through all kinds of things that are illicit in your mind. You can go through all kinds of scenarios that are inconsistent with the Word of God and sin with your mind. But the one that, that absolutely is the little darling uh, in the church is emotional sin. God's wanting to go just a little bit further. Why? Because he, he wants, he, he really does, I mean, listen to this, he really does want to use y'all. Do, do you understand what I'm saying to you? He has sovereignly decided to use this body. But have you ever seen any champion not put through the paces before the performance, before the tournament, before the competition? Oh, no, no, no. They draft you in, uh, in baseball, even at a high you know, draft round. You're going to spend years in single-A, double-A, triple-A ball, driving around in, in a bus from town to town, game after game. Then one day you get a call to what? To the big club. And they'll fly you wherever they're playing. They could be in Chicago or St. Louis or L.A. or New York. It could be anywhere, but that's where they'll send you. And that very night, you could be on the ball diamond. Amen. All the time, the potential was there. All the time, you're ready. You're motivated. This was your dream. Well, God has is, is chosen this body. Turn to somebody and tell them, get ready. You're about to be called up. To the big leagues. I'm telling you, right here in this room are people who are going to see extraordinary things done through them. You're going to say and pray, stretch out your hand just like you did Jesus in the book of Acts and throughout the word of God and great things are going to happen. But it's not going to come without dealing with things like, like holiness. Say it with me, a holy body, a holy mind, a holy will. And holy emotions. You see, why would the devil try to manipulate somebody's will and the sin of the, of the emotions? Why would he do that? To knock them out of their place, to knock them out of their spot, to disqualify them. And for most Christians, all he has to do is just poke at them a little bit, just aggravate them a little bit, and their emotions will do the rest. Amen. Raise your hand if your emotions ever took you out of the will of God, even for a day. Come on, let's, let's see this one. How many of you say your emotions took you out of the will of God? Amen. Aren't you glad that we don't have the responsibility of trying to guide everybody else on this? It's a full-time job just for us to work on our own redemption. Doesn't Scripture say that? Work out your own salvation with fear and what? Well, and trembling, you work this thing out. I'm telling you that uh, physical sin is real, but so is redemption from physical sin. Mental sin is real, but there's redemption for it. Willful sin is, is real, but there's redemption for it. 
and emotional sin is real. And the body of Christ is filled with it. Amen. And the Spirit of God is telling us to do what? Yeah. So I'm not telling you just to, to ostracize people or whatever. I'm just simply saying uh, don't follow people who are in the throes of emotional sin. If you take on their ways, you're going to get their fruit. Amen. Come on, say it. I got too much going for me. To voluntarily agree with emotional sin. We don't pat people on the head when they're a little, little pity party and filled with sin emotionally and tell them what they're doing is right. You've got to speak the truth in love. Amen. Glory to God. And if you're still alive, there's a chance to fix this. Amen. God, uh, through Moses, comes to Pharaoh after the plague of the frogs and <laughs> Moses says, when would you like God to get rid of these frogs? And what does Pharaoh say? Tomorrow's good. <laughs> really? You see how this works? I ah, am. Yeah, one day I'll deal with the emotional sin. No, man, you got something in your cereal, in your bed, you know, and in your closets, in your drawers, wherever you are. And how many know they didn't stay alive? They die and stink up the whole place. Little stinkers everywhere. No, if, if God gives you the chance to get rid of the frogs... What's the correct response, church? What's the correct response? Now. And it's not a frog. It's, it's a thing called emotional sin. Um, even Christian counselors have put emotions in a special untouchable category that does not seem to indicate revelation of, of sin and the fall of nature as pertains to emotions, but we're just supposed to be like the rest of the world. Now, with everything else, like the body and the mind, we should, we should get a handle on this sin thing and knock that stuff out. But when it comes to emotions, we need to express ourselves and vent, and, and God gave us our emotions, so we should just do this. No, God gave your emotions to experience life, not to run your life. The way it'll run your life is if you, what, sin with your emotions. That's when your emotions are going the wrong path. So you can feel everything. Let's, let's rewind this biblically for a minute. Cain was mad. Amen? Um, I mean, he was nail-spitting mad. Whatever metaphor you want to use, this guy was up. Uh, Said His brother was getting the kind words and the favor and the blessing of God, and Cain wasn't getting anything. And he was mad. So what was he doing? He was, he was crossed the line emotionally. He was thinking about doing what? Now, how many understand when, when you are thinking about doing something evil that there's somebody that knows? It's not Santa Claus. I got so tickled when I saw a meme on Facebook and it was a picture of Ron DeSantis and they've been offloading cargo ships now in Miami and Fort Lauderdale left and right. And the, the caption basically was said that uh, Ron DeSanta Claus is saving Christmas. You know, <laughs> uh, Praise the Lord for whatever they're doing. But there's somebody that knows you're thinking about something that's not scriptural. And who is it? And God comes down and he tells Cain, Sin is crouching at your door, but you must master it. Long before the kill shot came what? The emotion. Amen. What a different story it had been if he got a hold of that emotional sin. Oh, I just feel what I feel. I don't, I don't have any control over that. Not according to God. Right there in Genesis 4, we're taught that we must master it. He's saying to him, put a lid on it. Amen? You do right, it'll go well with you. But this thing you're thinking about doing, but can you imagine coming out of church, the first thing you want to do is kill your brother. Amen? Sister Sally comes out, my, wasn't that a lovely sermon? You know, brother says, oh, wasn't the power of God there today? Somebody else says, yeah, God was here. His conviction of power was here. People getting healed, delivered, and set free and saved. And here walks out, Cain, I'm going to go kill my brother. That's what it was. He had a one-on-one -on -one meeting with God that day. 
and still went out and emotionally sinned, which led to a physical sin. Who must master it? Who must master it? We must master it. How different would it have been if the rich young ruler, instead of getting sad, would have gotten glad? Amen? Sin of, of, of sadness in this context. Why? Because he acted on something. Amen. Instead of acting on what God told him to do, he yielded to the emotion and walked away from God. How different it would have been for King Uzziah. Amen. High priest to Uzziah. Uzziah offered incense in the temple. It's not right for you to do this. And Uzziah stops and says, you know what? You're right. It's not. I'll leave you to do your duty. I'm going to go repent and go back to what I'm supposed to do. How different the story would have been. Amen. Glory to God. Well, it's too late for Cain. For Cain. The story's already written. It's too late for Uzziah. The story's already written. It's too late for King Saul. The story's already written. It's too late for the rich young ruler. The story's already written. But guess who it's not too late for? For whom? Yeah. No Carol King song, It's Too Late, Baby, It's Too Late. Aren't you glad it's not too late for you? Turn to somebody and tell them it's not too late, baby. Amen. But you have to recognize it. Amen. So we've been talking about this. I want you to look at the scripture again in 1 Peter. If you want to turn there in 1 Peter chapter 2. I don't care what kind it is. Sins of the body, sins of the mind, sins of the will, sins of the emotions. Even as a Christian, if you yield to these things, the wages of sin is what? Here it is. The wages of sin is death. And you and I are interested in being wells of life. How's that going to work? How are we going to be a well of life when the wages of sin is death? Raise your hand if you know somebody personally who sinned with the emotions and they're still out there in the netherland. Know somebody like that? Amen. How terrible that is. Look at somebody and tell them, that's not going to be me. Hi, you're going to be different. You're going to deal with it. Amen. Well, they just make me so upset. No. You're in control. That's the first step. You're in control. Your responses are your responses. It's not what happens to you in this life. It's how you what? How you respond to it. What are your responses? Say it with me. Sins of the mind. Sins of the will. Sins of the body. Sins of the emotions. First Peter 2. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God and the day of visitation. In other words, you don't give them any kind of sin to work with to justify what they're saying. Amen. You're living upright lives. So we talked about how to neutralize this on Sunday. I just want to encourage you this. We neutralize with confession and repentance and neutralize with the blood, neutralize with a decision neutralized with resisting the devil and neutralized with our eyes on his return. Aren't you glad he's coming? What I want to do is flip this kind on his head tonight and talk to you about how to activate the purifying forces uh, in your life. Say, when we activate the purifying forces, we're talking about a force being a power that's when it's released, it produces a positive result. Say, with me, a force. A force, when released, produces a positive result. The thing I love about the Word of God is it just doesn't say, oh, you're a sinner, deal with it. It tells us what to do. Aren't you glad it gives us wisdom and gives us insight? No matter what you're dealing with in life, the Word of God will give you an out. It will give you an explanation. It will show you how to go to the next level. The end of your story is not the wages of sin is death. What's the rest of that? But the free gift of God is what? Life. Right? There's a gift through Christ. There's a gift through the word of God called life. Say it, I'm a well of life. And so a well of life needs to be what? A holy life. Because the wages of sin is death. How can I dispense life when every day I'm walking in death? It's not going to happen for us.
So first of all, you activate the force of mercy. There's the force. It's called mercy. Aren't you glad we're not alone? And aren't you glad he doesn't give up on us? It makes a difference what kind of sin it is. There's mercy for it. If God can show up with skins in the garden when Adam and Eve were spiritually dead, can he not show up today with mercy for you? I've out, I've out sinned his mercy. I've out sinned his grace. No, you haven't. That's a life in the pit of hell. Amen. You activate the force of mercy with repentance and confession. How do I activate it? In other words, mercy is available. A lot of people will claim God's mercy, but they're not activating that mercy in their lives because they're not doing what Scripture says to do. You can't claim mercy if you're not going to activate it with confession and repentance. Now write this down. Confession means to say the same thing as God says. Well, I just feel the way I feel, and it's just a feeling. It's just the way it is. That's how I feel. No, you need to start saying what God says about that. Your emotion right now, because you are either doing something he banned. For example, he said fear not, so you walk around in fear is a sin, an emotional sin. If he tells you to sorrow not like the world, and you go around sorrowing like the world who has no hope, what is that? It's a sin. If he tells you, do not be discouraged like he did Joshua, and you walk around every day discouraged, what is that? That is a sin. And when your emotion leads you to compromise or trample on the principles of the Word of God, it is what? It is a sin. So continue around, call yourself, well, it's just an emotion, it's a feeling, it's the way I see things, whatever it is. All the ways you can cover for your emotional outbursts and the things you do with your emotions, as long as you keep doing that, you're not going to have victory in this area. What do you need to do? You call it what it is. Stop calling it just the way I feel and start calling it what it is. This is an emotional sin. Confess means to say the same thing about. What does repent mean? It means to change your mind with what? A corresponding change of behavior. So if on this day I excuse the sin, the emotional sin, tomorrow what do I do? I walk beyond that. I have a change of mind, but a change of corresponding behavior. Look at uh, Psalm 51 for a moment. Go there. Glory to God. Look at verse 1. Have what? Mercy on me, O God. Mercy is God's ability and power and will to alleviate the distress that you cause because of what? Your sin. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash, wash away my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have my sin, and done was evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak, and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear the gladness that the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. Create in me what? A clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast or right spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. How many can sense his heart as you read this? Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me that I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners. Um, hallelujah. In other words, when we're right, we can have an impact on other people. This is what you see here, not just, okay, well, this is the way it is and make excuses for it, but real confession and real repentance. Go over to, to Psalm uh, 32 for a moment. Thirty-two verse one. Shout it out, emotional sin. It's time to get victory over what? Amen. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. 
Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, and my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. Every time you just make excuses for your emotional outbursts that lead to, to transgression and the things you're doing that God has called you not to do, every time you make excuses, re, you know, regardless because of the way you've been taught or because of what psychologists are saying or because somebody else lives that way and models it for you, every time you excuse that, you're not helping yourself out. Wages of sin is what? Death. Death. But this depicts someone under conviction. Say conviction is good. Then I acknowledge my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. What are we looking for here? Mercy. Mercy. Aren't you glad you don't have to do it alone? Amen. It's not just you in the flesh trying to work this thing out. The power of God is here to help you. The mercy of God. Then I acknowledge my sins to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. I want you to close your eyes and say that with all your mind. Say it just strongly and boldly. Say it with me. I said. said. Come on, say it. I said. I, said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and you forgive the guilt of my sin. I want you to sense in your spirit the power of those words. Close your eyes and say it again forcefully, boldly. Say it. I said. I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. That's what you do with any type of sin, including emotional sin. I said I will confess my transgressions. And what did he give him? He gave him freedom from the guilt. He gave him availability. He gave him instruction. He gave him the mercy of God. How do I activate the mercy of God? You know, there are a lot of people that presume the mercy of God, but they've never activated it. We need to repent. We need to confess. Amen. Well, I'm just the way I am. That person did this. And as long as you're focused on what they did, right, as if they're the ones responsible for your emotional sin. Say this to me. Other people are not responsible for my emotional sin. Yes, they are. They did this. They did that. They did this. They did that. Um, as long as you do that, you're not going to make some headway on this. You take responsibility. Amen. I know, but that, you know, point to somebody else is not going to get you peace. And it's not going to get you the mercy of God. Say it with me. I activate the mercy of God. I activate the mercy of God with repentance and confession. Number two, activate the force of covenant, which means covenant love and covenant kindness with the blood. Say it, with the blood. Go to Deuteronomy 7 real quickly. Just kind of speed this up for you and give these to you. We're zeroing in on emotional sin, but that's just one application. Deuteronomy 7, verse 9, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He's a faithful God, keeping His covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love Him. And keep His commands. Do you believe that today? What am I saying is, um, you and I activate that force of covenant with the blood of Jesus. That's the basis of it. It's the basis of everything good that we enjoy and God's irrevocable covenant uh, with his Father that you and I are benefactors of. This is all a function of what he did for you and for me. And I tell you, it's real easy to get up and go on, no matter what you've done, when you realize that he's not done with you. He's not given up on you. You're his covenant people. Amen. That covenant love and his said is available to you, no matter how bad you messed up. But how you activate it? You activate it with the blood. Say it, I plead the blood. You plead what? You plead your flesh? You plead your good intentions? No, don't plead your good intentions. Do what? Plead the blood. Okay, you messed up. Activate the force of that covenant. Number three, activate the force of the blessing with a decision. God's empowerment in your life. 
to live victorious, even over the things that we're talking about, is a decision. How many of you really want to be a well of life? Let's try that again. How many of you really want to be a well of life and not a seed bed of death? Well, then we have to deal with every dimension of sin. And it's so simple. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Activate the force of the blessing with a decision. Really, I can activate the force of the blessing with a decision. Yes, that's what Scripture teaches. In fact, you can activate the force of the curse with a decision. Now, who would do that with their right mind? I don't know, but a lot of people do. But you activate the force of the blessing with a decision. Chapter 30, verse 11. Now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. Aren't you glad? Come on, say it's not beyond my reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it so that we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so that we can uh, obey it. No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you may obey it. Now, Paul called this the word of what? The word of faith. It's not over there. It's not in the sea. It's not in the mountain. It's not down below. It's accessible to you and to me. And then he goes on to explain how this works. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws, and you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you're not obedient, if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, including the God of emotional sin, you'd be amazed how many people serve their emotions all the days of their life. It's a horrible way to live. But if your heart turns away and you're not obedient and you're drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you, this day you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you're crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. Now watch this. This day, what day? I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you. And I've set before you, what? Life and death. Blessing and curses. Now what? Now what? Choose life. When you refuse to yield to that sinful emotion, when you refuse to go down that path, when you refuse to blame everybody else for the way you're responding, when you refuse to do that, you choose life. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You can put your name in there too. He said before you life and blessing, death and what? Now what? You activate the blessing with a decision. It's a choice. Amen. So you can choose to make excuses or you can choose to say, you know what, enough of this. Amen. I mean, some Christians live on little puppet strings. The devil's up here and he's just manipulating them emotionally all the time and he's just laughing his head off and we just think that's a normal way to live. Look at somebody and tell them it's time to cut the strings. Amen. I know, pastor, but there are people in this town, even in my family, they know exactly how to push my button. Amen. Well, just in time for the holiday season, you can learn how to deal with this. You know, for those wonderful times you gather together with all those people you haven't seen in a while, but just know how to say the wrong thing at the wrong time. What if you got some wire cutters out and disconnected the button? Then when somebody comes along and pushes your buttons... There's nothing there. It's not working. Amen? Why? I choose life. I choose life. The button doesn't work anymore. Turn to somebody and tell them it's not working on me anymore. See, praise the Lord, Pastor. I'm here in church and I'm making a decision. I'm choosing life so the devil will leave me alone. You know, tomorrow morning you're going to have a chance to live this out. 
By 8 a.m., somebody's going to push your button to find out if it's disconnected or not. And what you're going to say at that moment, you're going to say, I am activating the blessing with what? A decision. It's not going to work anymore. You're going to find out just how sanctified you are. Scripture tells us we're to be sanctified, set apart unto God from sin, and set apart unto Him for His purposes, body, soul, and spirit. You'll find out just how disconnected you are from that. The mature Christian, the spiritually minded Christian, can feel things and not be run by them. Amen. Well, they really hurt my feelings, so I'm going to roll the care of that over on the Lord because I'm not going to enter into emotional sin on their behalf. I'm not coming down to their level. I'm working on something. Amen? Who knows, but you'll be the one to lay hands on Michael and he'll pop up like a rocket and run around this room. Wouldn't that be more important than you reacting to somebody emotionally in a sinful way? I really told them, but what did you give up? I really let him have it. Yeah, but what did you compromise to let him have it? A lot of things we're doing are just not worth the price. Amen. Number three, activate the force of the blessing with a decision. I can activate the blessing in my life every day with a decision. Yeah, you know what? Before your feet even hit the floor in the morning, you say, I choose the blessing today. Come on, shout out. I choose the blessing. Come on, shout out again. I Choose the blessing. What do you choose? The blessing. Life. Amen. Number four, activate the force of faith with the word of God. There's only two ways to activate your faith. One is time in the word and time in tongues. Everybody say it with me. Tongues and time in the word. That's how you activate your faith. But when the devil came to Jesus to try to provoke him in Matthew chapter 4 and came to tempt him, what did he do? What did he do? Didn't even hesitate. So you're in a situation and somebody's trying to pull your your strings. What do you do? Push your buttons. Out comes the word of God. Amen? Not... I wish I had an answer. But I've been in the Word, and so guess what? When they provoke me, guess what's coming out? The Word of God. Say it with me. I activate the force of faith with the Word of God. Um, you know, He came at Jesus, and He'll come at you. He left Jesus to an opportune time, and guess what? He'll come at you at an opportune time again. And what are you going to do? See, you know, most Christians, you know, the devil's not going to show up tomorrow and say, you know what, I, I really have somebody I'd like you to murder for me. It's probably not going to happen. I say probably because it does happen. Amen. He shows up tomorrow morning and says, you know what, I have somebody that I want you to have an illicit affair with and destroy your marriage and your family. Most of you would say, uh, you know, no thank you. Come on, humor me, say it again. No thank you. No. Uh, the devil comes and says, you know what? There's a bank in Paducah, and I need somebody to rob it today, so I'm going to ask you to do it. What are you going to say? No. But if he comes at you, right, with something somebody did or said and you didn't like it, he's far more likely to succeed to provoke you to an emotional sin than to get you to rob a bank. So it does you no good every day to say, I will not rob a bank, I will not rob a bank, I will not commit murder. Because where? you beyond the murder and robbing the bank. Can I have an amen tonight? Amen. But it's the emotional sin that we have not appropriated the word of God strongly enough towards so that we get, we get to the place where the devil's not going to bother coming to you to rob a bank because it'd be ridiculous for him to come to you at this point in your Christian life to rob a bank. Come on, can I have an amen tonight? We need to get to the place where he's not going to come at us with emotional sin because it's not going to work anymore. That's just as ridiculous. Now you get to that place and you're going to flow in the power of God like never before. Amen? That's right. It's just as ridiculous to try to get me offended as it is to get me to rob a bank. 
It's just as ridiculous to try to talk me into committing capital murder as it is to get me into a place where I'm in strife. That's growth. That's exactly what God's looking for in people that he wants to use in this day and age. So to activate the force of faith with the word of God. Activate, number five, the force of hope with your focus. And your focus determines your hope. Apostle John told us our focus should be on his return. He that hath this hope in himself, what? Purifies himself. The next time somebody says something ugly to you, look past them to the Lord's return. Amen. Look beyond the opportunity for offense and strife and anger. Amen. And getting even and talking ugly about them. And just put your eyes over on the one that's returning. And just simply saying, I don't have time to come down here and live in the mud with you. Amen. I'm looking for somebody. Do you know that anticipation for his return is a purifier in the heart of a Christian? You want to know one of the reasons why the the modern church is so dirty? We're not looking for him. We're sucked into the same mentality as the world. Ah, you know, one day in the sweet by and by. No, we need to live as though he's coming tonight. Huh? Guess what? If he's coming tonight, you're not robbing that bank. Uh Uh-uh. If he's coming tonight, you are not getting involved in that affair. Hello? If he's coming tonight, you're not burning that house down. Huh? But if he's coming tonight, and I let somebody have it emotionally, well, that's perfectly reasonable. Now, if he's coming tonight, you're not going off on somebody emotionally. Amen? If he's coming back tonight, you're not doing a lot of things you used to let your emotions do. Praise God. Say it with me. Sanctified body, soul, and spirit. Activate the force of mercy. Activate the force of covenant. Activate the force of the blessing. Activate the force of faith. Activate the force of hope. Amen. He's coming. He's coming. This world is nuts. I said, this world is crazy. How crazy is it? Virginia elects the first black woman, a lieutenant. Amen. What's her title? Lieutenant governor. Yeah, that's the second part of it. In the history of the Commonwealth of Virginia. And you know what the pundits had to say last night? That she won because of racism. That's the world today. Terry McAuliffe ran for governor. He lost because of racism. And this black lady, a former Marine, won because of racism. It's like religion. You have to memorize it. It doesn't make any sense. And while I personally think they elected a couple of great people, my hope is not in politicians because they're all squirrely. Amen. There's only one true. There's only one politician I'll follow. That's King Jesus. Amen. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And they spoke evil of him as well. But this place is nuts. So there's all kinds of opportunity, you know, for you to get sidetracked on things that don't matter. Amen. Now, You can't do anything about somebody else entering into emotional sin, but you have everything to say about you yielding to it. God's looking for somebody. You know, know, weeks ago, we started this entire little series off by saying these words to you. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout all the earth, looking for someone to show himself strong. What? On their behalf. You know what he's looking for? He's looking for that vessel unto honor. How many volunteers do we have out there? How many do you have? Come on, let's give them a hand clap and tell them we're volunteering. Praise God. Come on, say, I volunteer volunteer. for the power of God. God. Amen. 
So the next time somebody says, vent, vent, you know what you should say? No. To you, it's a psychological tactic. To me, it's an issue of my spiritual well-being. Amen? And do you know there's always one person you can vent to? 24-7, he's always available? He never repeats what you say? Amen? And if you go to talk and ugly to him about somebody, you know what he's going to do? He will turn the tables on you. He's exactly the one you need to vent to. Amen. Glory to God. But for sure, don't you enter into somebody else's emotional sin. Scripture tells us keep ourselves pure. Keep ourselves sanctified. Amen. Say it with me. Sanctified. Body. Soul. And spirit. Amen. Give him another hand clap and thank him again. Thank you, Father.